Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello and welcome again to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse newsletter. Please find it and subscribe. We're very lucky today to have with us Paul Zak, scientist, educator, founder of Immersion Neuroscience, and author, including of his latest book, Trust Factor, The Science of Creating High-Performance Companies. Hello, Paul. Thank you for taking time today. Hi, Ben. I appreciate it. What was the path you took to become a scientist, a businessman, an author, and an educator? Yeah, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> basically, uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by human beings. When I was uh, 18, I worked at a gas station near the freeway in California. And, you know, when you work at nights uh, at a gas station, you see, you know, every aspect of humanity from hookers and drug dealers, gangbangers, nice business people, family people. And you really start to wonder, you know, where there's variation comes from. How do people organize themselves? And that really led to how brains organize themselves. So I think I've been quite lucky to have had the opportunity to work in an academic setting where I can get projects funded and then continue to explore why humans do what they do. And that's a neuroscience question. And so how did you end up following that to uh, get to where you are now? Yeah, a lot of it is, I think, having a lot of freedom. So um, again, I'm cross-trained in a couple different fields, economics, neuroscience, biology, and combine these into an interdisciplinary field called neuroeconomics, and then spread out some kind of related fields, neuromarketing, neuromanagement, to really apply neuroscience to solve problems that people face. And essentially, I'm a tool guy, so I love to create tools to solve these problems. But first, you have to understand the problems. What's the source of those problems? So as you know, some of the problems I've worked on are, for example, how do we organize people at work so that they can perform at their best, they're satisfied with what they're doing, they're challenged, they have a chance to grow. Uh, and my new company, Immersion Neuroscience, has created a software platform that allows anyone to measure brain activity that tells us how much someone values an experience second by second so that organizations can create better content, they can organize, again, humans at work more effectively, they can communicate and uh, educate more easily. What does neuroscience teach us about how trust works to forge relationships between people, teams, organizations, and what role does oxytocin play in all of that? So we showed about 25 years ago that trust is among the most powerful organizational factors that drive economic performance at the level of companies, countries, uh, even between individuals. And so there's a real need to understand where trust comes from if one wants to accelerate performance. And trust is a difficult topic. So the definition of trust is when you willingly give control over some resources to another person. And why would you do that? You do that because you expect them to reciprocate, to gain some kind of return. Uh, But we don't always do that. So as part of this quest to understand trust, I developed technology to measure the brain's acute production of this neurochemical oxytocin that in animals is associated with affiliation and congregation, but in humans had not really been studied behaviorally. And so we spent uh, many, many years developing these tools to really understand why we collaborate with one person or another, why we can uh, live in big cities uh, like New York and 
not just freak out every time a new person walks by like most other animals do. So we have actually a very peculiar brain that allows us to very rapidly and unconsciously assess whether people around us appear to be safe or trustworthy. And there's great value in that. The value is that if you seem safe or trustworthy to me, I can talk to you, I can potentially collaborate, I can become friends. Lots of things can happen, but also there's a risk that you might hurt me or take advantage of me. So we're constantly balancing this wariness to be around strangers with the value of meeting strangers. So if oxytocin is uh, the link in all of this, is there some way that we can get that to people to increase trust, or is that not a deliverable drug in the way other drugs are? Yeah, so we uh, should develop technology to safely uh, infuse synthetic oxytocin into human brains via the nose. But I like to say hugs, not drugs. So the brain's own oxytocin system is very surgical. Right? If I see you, Ben, and uh, you seem safe, my brain makes oxytocin, motivates me to interact with you. And when I see your engineer, Nathan, who's sitting next to you, uh, like, that's a sketchy dude. I don't want to be around him. If I give you the drug, I blunt that. Now everybody seems safe to me, right? So I really want to think about how to optimize the use of the brain's own system and not drug people. Uh, even in disorders associated with impaired social behaviors like autism and schizophrenia, the brain networks that utilize oxytocin are dysregulated. So in studies from my lab and many others where you replace the oxytocin, you find almost no effect, right? So there's not a one-to-one mapping with anything in the brain. So oxytocin is part of a larger cascade of events that happens in the brain that tells us second by second how to adapt to the social environment we're in. Um, what we have shown, and others have shown as well, is that this system can be tuned to particular environments. So people who grow up in a safer, more nurturing environment tend to release more oxytocin on stimulus. People with certain personality types tend to release more oxytocin. So I think it's really about creating environments where the uh, oxytocin effect can occur and can occur in the right time, the right level. And that's something that LRN helps uh, their clients do, something that I help clients do, which is create these safe environments where now I'm motivated to interact with the people around me, whether that's clients, employees, and I can utilize the knowledge of oxytocin to create more effective workplaces. So there's one exhibit trust by trusting others or by being trustworthy themselves? Oxytocin is reactive. That is, someone has to start this process. So if you hold the door for me, smile, say something nice, in general, my brain's going to release oxytocin, but someone has to start that, right? And then if I release oxytocin, then I generally smile back or say something nice to you. And so now we begin this kind of nice virtuous circle. But yeah, someone's got to start that. And so I think that's a real takeaway for listeners is that if you want to have a more productive, a more trusting, more cooperative workplace, then someone's got to do that. Someone's got to start that process, right? So again, you're not going to go from, you know, Enron or GE like, uh, you know, rank and yank into, um, you know, Kumbaya. It's really step by step making a human connection so that at work, at home, uh, with your family, with your friends, you're reaching out and using the system that evolved so many millennia ago to allow us to cooperate with friends and strangers. And it does, uh, can start as something as simple as a smile, huh? It can, which is amazing, right? So um, here's a simple uh, uh, suggestion, which is, you know, when we walk in the office, you know, we say, hey, Ben, how are you? How are you? That's fine, but it doesn't really start this cascade. So instead of saying, how are you, just fill in the emotion that you see in that person's face. Hi, Ben. 
you look tired, happy, sad, worried, anxious. Now we have a whole different conversation. I've connected to you at a human level and not at a superficial level, right? So uh, if I say, hey, Ben, you look, God, you look tired today. He goes, oh, man, it was a terrible weekend. My uh, dog was super sick or in a vet all day. And if I'm your supervisor, I might now want to have a discussion with you. Gosh, if you haven't slept that much, do you need to be here? Do you have any acute projects that have to be done today? Hey, why don't you meet with your team and go home and get some rest? Now think about that from a human perspective and also a business perspective. Now you're going, oh gosh, Paul really you know, cares about me as a human being, not as a piece of human capital. I don't know what human capital is, but that's a terrible, terrible term, right? You're not a machine. Number one, number two, look, I'd rather have you at work at 100%, you know, kicking butt, taking names, than just muddling through the day because you have two hours of sleep. So I'd rather have you go home and come back fresh and tomorrow and, you know, do your work as well as you can. So I think both those things play into keeping high performers focused on performance, keeping them working for me and not for somebody else, and really allowing uh, individuals at work to be empowered to be their best. So if you're not going to do that, if you're, if you're going to focus on exploiting you because, uh, you know, I just need to get some hours and I need a body at a desk, that's not a way around a high performance organization and people are going to quit. Is trust enough to get people to be their best? And what role does purpose play in bringing that about? Trust and purpose reinforce each other. So purpose is why the organization does what it does. So the trust tells you, uh, here's the team that you have going forward. And the purpose is why we're going forward. Why does anybody care about what we do? And so having that, that purpose narrative, which is really social, also activates this oxytocin system and reinforces the role of working with a trusted and reliable team. So when we combine these two together, we see that you get very high performance. This is verified in uh, surveys we've done, nationally representative samples of U.S. working adults. Uh, we found it in, uh, in European countries. So trust and purpose are important. And here's a key takeaway for listeners, which is purpose is most effectively communicated as a story. That may be the story of the founders, people who started this organization because they were passionate about something. It could be a story about an exemplary employee or a customer. So why do we do what we do? And that's got to be constantly reinforced. It's going to be part of the conversation almost daily. So here's an example. I was at LinkedIn a couple of years ago. At every group I met at LinkedIn, when they walked in the room, said to me, at LinkedIn, our purpose is to make our members more successful and more productive. Everybody said it. Beautiful. Let's use that as this screen to make sure that what they're doing at LinkedIn satisfies at least one of those two goals. If it doesn't, they shouldn't be doing it. And so how can organizations combine those two things together to uh, foster these ethical cultures that we want based on values, integrity, and accountability? From a scientific perspective, measurement, right? So we've developed a measurement tool. You could develop your own measurement tool that identifies the foundations for organizational trust. And then once you measure, you can intervene to begin to raise those factors. So we work with organizations, for-profit, non-profit, government, so that we can basically empower the humans to be in this high-trust environment where they can flourish and perform at their best. So recently, for example, working with um, in California with police departments that have kind of funky organizational structures because they have very kind of differential training across departments, but also they're kind of running from crisis to crisis. So really spending some time with police chiefs and measuring trust in the organization and creating policies and interventions so that 
trust is raised. You're empowering uh, particularly frontline officers to do their best, but also to hold them accountable for what they do, giving them discretion in their job, not micromanaging them, uh, and, and really building a culture where, um, where everyone is supported and given a chance to do what they do best. Your research has uncovered eight factors that you found formed the foundation for a culture of trust. What are those factors and how can organizations measure them and bring them about in their organizations? So basically our research uncovered uh, eight different factors. Somehow magically they have an easy to remember acronym. They spell out oxytocin. I can go through them in brief, but basically they're all uh, verified in the neuroscience and uh, in work in organizations. We've actually run experiments taking blood from employees, measuring brain activity, and measuring their productivity. So uh, I'll, I'll go through them briefly. So the first is ovation, which means recognizing high performers. The second is called expectation, which is building in challenges. Third is yield, which uh, means allowing people to execute projects as they see fit. Uh, the fourth is called transfer, which means allowing people to job craft, create their own jobs for themselves. Uh, o is for openness, which is sharing information broadly so people can make good decisions. A C is for caring. That's really building an opportunity to form relationships with people at work. Uh, the I is for invest, which means giving people a chance to grow personally and professionally at work. And lastly, the N is for natural, which is being your authentic self at work. Don't, uh, don't come in and put on airs. Just be who you are. And so how can you measure for those to see where your employees are or what you need to improve on or focus on? Yeah, we've created a survey. Uh, anyone listeners can find it at ofactor.com, O-F-A-C-T-O-R.com. And you can actually take the survey and measure those factors. Um, importantly, we never use the word trust. We never use the word cooperation or relationship. It's about a set of behaviors. And I think this is a key point. Trust is a set of behaviors. And if you lead an organization or lead a group of individuals, you can influence behaviors through your own actions and through policies. And so once you think of trust not as a feeling, but as a set of behaviors, then it's manageable like any other process in business. And I think that's really the key takeaway. So if you can measure it, you can manage it. So as the workplace gets more automated and machines begin to work alongside people, can these same techniques be used to build trust between humans and machines, or is that going to take a different formula? What a great question. Yeah, we've done research on that very recently in which we measured brain activity while people interacted with automated algorithms that were more or less accurate, and you were told that. Uh, and what we found is that the same kinds of factors that influence trust in other people influence our belief in, in uh, algorithms. And that is, if other people are using them, then we have more confidence that um, I'm likely to use them. Even if they're not perfect, even if we know they're imperfect, but lots of other people use them, we're influenced to do that. So again, we're social creatures, and so social proof is an effective way to become comfortable with using automated systems. Again, I think you need transparency, you need to have information about it, but generally, if the other humans are doing it, I'm likely to do it too. So we uh, touched on this a little bit before when we talked about oxytocin. There are obviously ethical considerations uh, for the use of some of these things. Is it possible to get people to trust things or people that are bad for them? And if so, how do we ensure that this is used for good outcomes and not bad ones? Right. People are pretty smart. So, you know, eventually we find out people who lie to us. I think in the world in which everybody has a phone in their pocket uh, with a camera, is a world of openness. And so I think you've got to be really transparent. The nice thing about building high trust cultures is it's all about putting individuals first. And if it's not ethical, 
then it's going to backfire. So being really transparent, have town hall meetings, have time to listen to employees, to their concerns, answer questions, really opening up the discussion so that you empower people with information to make the best decisions. And sometimes those decisions are hard decisions. People have to be let go. Divisions have to be shut down. But being very, very clear on that, showing people the profit and loss statement, showing them the numbers, giving them the rationale. So the why is really important to human beings. So if you're going to empower people with trust, they have to make their own decisions. And to do that, they have to know why the organization is doing what they're doing. So I think we're, we're so rushed often at work that we get to the what. Here's what we're doing. Here's the new policy. Okay, Ben, get to work. We're supposed to, look, we evaluate all these options. Here's why we chose to do option three. And let's discuss that. So actually taking the time to communicate effectively really builds an ethical foundation for organizations and for leadership, honestly. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Paul. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.